there, friend. Welcome to the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I am your host, Shannon Warner. This podcast is all about taking a few moments for yourself and reconnecting to the amazing woman behind the title of mom. You have so many plates spinning at any given time between your kids, your partner, your job, maintaining a household, etc., etc. But where does taking time just for you play into that? Let's spend some time together, you and me, right now. We're rebranding a mom moment to those sacred moments you take to fill your cup first. Let's connect, tune in, and tap into what makes us the incredible women that we are. We'll nurture ourselves first so we can be our best selves for those we pour into on a daily basis. We'll also bask in the beautiful wisdom of other moms to learn about the ways in which they've tapped into alignment in their own motherhood journeys. Come on, mama. It's your time. We're having a mom moment. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I am your host, Shannon Warner, and I am so excited that you are here today. First, let me remind you that next week on March 5th, I am hosting a Design Your Maternity Leave workshop. I know this audience is full of veteran mamas, but if you know or love someone who is expecting or is planning to be expecting here soon, This would be a great resource for them, completely free. It's a one-hour workshop, and so long as you register, you will get a link to the recording after the event if you can't make it live. So please spread the word. I would love to see as many mamas to be in there as possible to help create an aligned maternity leave plan that honors your needs first. The timing of this episode is quite interesting. Um, Hannah and I recorded back, I believe it was in December and I'm excited to finally share it with you. But ironically enough, I am experiencing my own health thing at the moment. Um, I am awaiting some blood work for uh, my thyroid. I ended up with a lovely goiter (laughs) on my thyroid this week and it is impacting my my voice and my throat and my ability to swallow a little bit so all that to be said um and I will introduce Hannah our guest in just a moment but I messaged her once I found out and um asked her because of her background if she had any suggestions and she jumped right into action asking me questions um trying to see where she could help me and just being so kind and lovely and offering to hold my hand uh, as I navigate this journey. And I'm so grateful uh, to know her and to have her in my circle. So our guest this week is Hannah Koshak. Hannah has been a registered dietitian for 10 years. She's worked in the clinical inpatient setting and also in the dialysis unit. She started her business, Wholesome Endeavors, five years ago and now runs a woman's community helping them create consistency and lifestyle changes towards disease prevention. Hannah is also proud to use her platform and her business to fight against weight stigma and dieting to help women grow in their health journeys with confidence, empowerment, and joy. She's a mom of two boys and enjoys finding adventure and playing outside with them. I think you're going to love Hannah just as much as I do. Like I said, I've had the beautiful opportunity to get to know her quite well over the last many months, and I'm so grateful for her, and I hope you love this episode. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. 
Hannah and I have already been chatting for 20 some odd minutes because Hannah and I <laughs> have had the opportunity to become friends over the last couple months and I adore her. So I know this episode is going to be really, really juicy. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> I'm excited. Can we start by talking about your own motherhood journey and what it looks like and where you are today? Sure. That is a actual loaded question, but let's see. So my kids are now, my two boys are six and seven. So I like to say I'm actually through that thick of it. And when I think back to everything I've been through, it's, it goes deep. I mean, it really does the layers upon layers of like the mental loads, the physical loads and the love loads. I mean, my gosh, there's so much love, but with all the other things. So I, um, yeah, I am married and I was, well, I am a registered dietitian, but I worked in a clinical setting before I had kids. So I was working full time. And then I had one little guy. Um, I went back to work after that six weeks or whatever, cause I worked in a hospital. So, um, it was six to eight weeks, whatever in that phase, but yeah, it was, it was difficult. And I did keep pumping throughout. So I nursed him until 13 months and help with pumping. And, and honestly, going back to work was interesting. It was, I, it was with one undemanding child, meaning my first was just very calm, low key, not really challenging in many ways, other than like some digestive things and stuff. And then I had my second and yes, I was um, gearing up to go back to work. And two weeks before I went back to work, um, the daycare person who happened to be my neighbor um, said, I can no longer take your kids. And so I live in a relatively big city, not a big, big city, but enough where there's a six plus month waiting list to get on. So two weeks notice isn't great. We actually moved. So we don't have family in town and we actually didn't even have friends really in town at that time because we'd moved there and then got pregnant. So it's like, even through raising those babies, I had very few friends and very little support. So now when people around me have babies, I'm like, let me send you meals. Let me send you money. Let me send you coffee because like so much of me felt like I lacked that. But anyways, um, so, so not being able to go back to work really like freaked me out. And my husband and I didn't think we could do it financially. So we had his mom drive into town and he would take off work and he worked from home. So he would try to work from home while watching them. And I, you know, went back to work a little bit and I made it about a month at that job before I was like, we can't do this. And the other side of that was my second baby was incredibly demanding emotionally. He wanted only me and he only wanted to nurse. He never took a bottle. He never cared to be with my husband and he didn't sleep because he wanted to nurse all night. And of course I tried to look for the root of what that was. Like, does he have something? Does he have pain? Does he have discomfort? And ultimately he just wanted massive amounts of comfort from me and only me. So, um, therefore, even while I was at work, he was crying the whole time I was gone and <clears throat> he wouldn't take a bottle. So he didn't eat either. Mm. So then he would stay up all night nursing to make up for the day of not eating. So yeah, I made it a month and then I went part-time. And so all to say you 
can't predict your journey. The only thing you can do is really try to be as open-minded enough to say what kind of support is helping me or could help me because that support could literally make the difference of what you're going through. Yes. And that's the hardest part is you can't plan. You just don't know. You can plan mm -hmm. as much as you want. And then your baby's born and it's like, oh, never mind. None of that fits. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine how that felt having daycare lined up and then to lose it two weeks prior. For two kids, it would be different. Oh if it was my just gosh. One. Right. It for was both two of kids them. at that point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And um, I really never had a desire to start my own business. So it was interesting because that I love being a dietitian. So it's not even like, I need to get out of my job. Fine. You know, like none of that. Like I did, I do have like very strong mother instincts. So I did want to stay home with them, but it wasn't to leave my job. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I then went to part-time eventually weaned into then just stopping, but through that phase, that's when I really found my passion of what a business could look like. And it wasn't like, I want to start a business. It was like, I got hit in the stomach with this passion and this idea of a business. And then the next day, I think I got my LLC. Like at that point, it was like, oh, I can't stop myself. Somebody stop me. Don't stop me. I'm going. And it just happened. And then somehow I yeah, ran a business with babes and still became a working mom. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. What was the timeline like? So you said it was about a month and then you went down to part-time? And then from there, how long until you were like, I'm doing this business and then leaving? It must have maybe been four to six months, probably. Wow. And yeah. so I really pretty much had a newborn and a toddler and starting a business. Oh my gosh. So you had three babies. Yeah, right. Oh my Not gosh. to mention the husband. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know. He was he was amazing. Yes. Oh wow. I love that's part of what I've loved so much about these conversations is how many moms are where they are today because they became moms either through their struggle, they were trying to find something, some answer to their own struggle and found a way to help other people and then have monetized that or situations like yours were like what I was going to do or, or had planned to do will not work for whatever mm -hmm. reason. But I don't think there's any mistake in that. Mm -mm. Yeah, it is insane to really look how everything laid out into this like beautiful plan of the universe or God or whatever upper power, because what are the odds that like they drop my kids and put me in this vulnerable position. And then through that real, and I don't, I, I do have like a pretty driven personality. So it doesn't surprise me that like I immediately became an entrepreneur without the idea of becoming an entrepreneur. But um, it was, it was so perfect that like, would I, when would I have thought of that idea? Would I have just always played it safe because it's like, well, I have this idea, but I have this safe job with constant income and with something I like doing, right? Like I just would have probably maybe came up with the idea, but you know, never willing to put myself in that vulnerable position. I don't know. Mm, the catalyst is always interesting. I, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. You were called to something higher for sure. And that was, mm -hmm similar to my journey. I was like, I'll start this side business supporting moms in their transition into maternity leave. And I will 
build it up to match my current income. And then I'll step away from my job with my salary and my 401k and da, 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 da. And the universe was like, no, you're done. Bye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, okay. Some, some very smart friend told me, if you don't shed it yourself, the universe will shed it for you. It's so true. And, um, you'll, you'll have to figure it out then. So it's like, it just, when you're in alignment like that, things just kind of shed with completely out of your control. And in the time it's like, feels like the worst thing ever. And then retrospect, you're like, holy cats, what a blessing in disguise. Like they say. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I've lived, I've lived through that for sure uh, mm-hmm. more than once. So you're so right. And I, yes. Yeah. When you're in it, you're like, Ugh, but when you look back, you're like, of course it had to be that way. Yeah. Of course. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what is it like starting a business with two toddlers and what does that journey look like to where you are now? Okay. It looks like a complete blur. <laughs> yeah. I've been lying. I just hardly remember it because Mm. it was such a, it's a blur. Like that's what I remember most about it. However, yes, I do remember some details in that as a mom, if you start your own business, you think, I know what I'm going to work during their nap time. I'm going to work during their blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I learned real fast that if they didn't take a nap or they didn't take a long enough nap, I would slowly build up this resentment and frustration as if it was their fault that I wasn't able to get anything done. And it was their fault that I missed that call or whatever. And not, I wasn't like upset about it, but yeah, it just felt like being a mom was so frustrating. And it's like, wait a minute, this is nobody's fault. And this is really freaking hard. So I spent whatever money I made on a babysitter pretty much. So then they would babysit the kids, which was pretty much through their nap time. But then I didn't have to worry so much like, my gosh, are they going to wake up or whatever? So through their nap time. And then that's when I worked pretty much uninterrupted, even though I could hear them screaming and my mom instincts were like, I gotta go. No, no, it's okay. So anyways, um, that is one of the biggest things I tell do not rely on nap time because as mm-hmm. much as we think it's our personal time, it, they wake up, they get sick, they don't take a nap. I don't know. So I was just mm-hmm. never very forceful about routine. I will say that too. So when it, when I, when I realized that I had that babysitter and then that's when I kind of just would continue to follow the flow. And I was blessed that my husband worked from home. So I could kind of say like, Oh, over your lunch hour, I'll work on this. And then he would watch the kids for an hour. Um, and he was done relatively early in the day. So I could then do what I needed to do after his work if, if so. And that was just genuinely following the flow of my passion. Like I want to teach these classes. Where do I do it? Okay. How do I find these people? And it just kind of kept following the flow. And then that grew into evolution. So where the classes became clients and the clients became a community of a membership. And then that grew into inviting other people other ways. And so I just kept following the flow and the kids. So I wanted to be sure, and I'm not a huge, I'm not great at boundaries, but because of my motherly instinct in that way, I wanted to be so sure that I was still enjoying motherhood. Mm. So I, I did pretty much create solid boundaries. Like when I was with them, I tried to not get to the emails or when I was with them, I tried not to multitask too much. And I really believe that helped because 
Otherwise, it's very easy to grow a bad taste in your mouth about motherhood because you're overwhelmed. You have demand from your business, demand from your kids, demand from your house. And so I just try to separate them as much as possible. Mm, that's really good. What are some practical tips maybe that you could share for women who are in a similar space and know that they need those boundaries, but they don't know where to start? Well, taking it back to the beginning of the conversation with support, like what does that support look like? So for me, I had a neighbor who became a friend. And so that was like, would you be open to spending time with the boys while I did this? And um, so it wasn't for a while. It was it was free because she genuinely loved my kids so much. So that for some people might be a really big ask for me. I, it's all I had to rely on. So I was able to find that support, seeing support for what it is. Like I say with your partner, like how can you help him meet his needs or her needs, whatever that looks like. And, and if it's like, you are an introvert and you need alone time, how can I give that to you? But then yes, how can you manage the kids during this time while I do this? So it was I am kind of a give and take person, but in a way that's like, this world needs us to work together. Mm -hmm. It's not just about me. It's not just about the kids. Like knowing that my husband is a textbook introvert, he needs that quiet time. He needs to be alone. And so sometimes I would have to figure out how to give, give that to him. Right. So it's like, therefore he was definitely more open to like me working on my stuff and watching the kids. Mm-hmm. Plus financially, we needed to figure it out. <laughs> right, right. You just do it because you have to, you know, like mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, you have to. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I love that. So you've had this business now six years. So it'll, it's about five and a half. Yep. About five mm -hmm. and a half. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So tell us really, I mean, I know, I know, I know that I know what you do, but tell our mm -hmm. audience what you do, what you're passionate about and like what kind of transformations you're really offering for people. I think a lot of people hear dietitian and they're like, okay. If I'm in the hospital, it's somebody that comes in and tells me how many calories and what kind of things I should be eating. Mm -hmm. Like, What does it really look like in your world? Yes. Well, first of all, I want to toot my own horn for a minute. And Do it. I have over six local awards, meaning, um, and I have one national award. So it's all to say that what I felt was a gap that needed to be filled just genuinely needed to be filled. And people could see that. And they were excited that somebody was working towards filling that gap. So the awards to me just show that support from the community in a way. It's not so much to be like affirmations to my self-worth in any way. It's more so like, okay, I saw it. They see it. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah. Um, Amazing. So I love that you point out like, this is what people think a dietitian does. Cause yeah, for sure. I get the, will you make me a meal plan? Can you help me on my calorie count? Um, the cliche. And actually I was just saying that being a dietitian in the clinical world made me realize what kind of dietitian I wanted to be. And being, you know, trained as a dietitian also trained me in a way that I want to see how I don't want to, what I don't want to be as a dietitian. So in fact, I do quite the opposite of a lot of dietitians because I think that's the gap. So I actually preach against meal plans and calorie counts in um, actually measuring progress through your weight. I became really passionate um, about fighting weight stigma. And so I think that is 
the pressure to lose that pesky last 10 pounds. It's that pressure that you need to be losing weight or looking a certain way to be considered healthy. It's that pressure that if you don't look that way, like, are you considered successful? Are you considered like all of that? It's it's association of your worth and your weight. Mm. You feel happier and healthier at this certain weight. And in reality, you're a healthy freaking rock star of a person, but society won't let you feel that way. So you connected your worth to your weight. And it's just a shameful freaking journey of guilt. And it just drives me up a wall when I see new moms having this pressure to lose this baby weight, or I see new moms completely overwhelmed in the state of having a toddler and a new poop. Plus now they think they need to get back to their OG body size, like whatever that looks like. And it's, it's too much. And they're then when they can't get back to that body weight, because they're really searching for that feeling of self-worth again, they feel worse because now they can't keep up with the house chores. They can't keep up with the kids or the kids won't let them do their workout. And then it's like, oh, I can't manage it all, right? Like it's too much. And it it's is. all because of societal pressure to lose that pesky 10 pounds. Mm. I could go on for days. <laughs> I so. would love for you to go on for days. I, especially with the audience of moms here, like mm. we've got enough societal stuff coming at us. If it's mm. not, you know, oh, you're a working mom. You should be home with your kids. Mm. Oh, you're a stay at home mom. Shouldn't you be working? Oh, mm. someone else is taking care of your children. Oh, you're not yeah. keeping up with your judgment from before. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. So just giving people mm -hmm. the permission to mm -hmm. move through it at the pace that you need to move through it. And this is something that I struggle with as well. Cause it's just like, oh, I should be able to bounce back. Mm -hmm. mm. What does bouncing back mean? It's like, you are a different person yeah. because you had a child and you now are, are a mother. Like you have a new, like label or title or whatever that means. You have new responsibilities. You have new challenges that you've never had before that are taking you way further out of your comfort zone. You are a new person. And so bouncing back just makes it think that like you're, you're behind or you're not doing good enough, or you, you're not where you used to be. You're a new person. And that's where you get the opportunity to embrace it and say, what does that look like for me? Like yeah. maybe it's not body image and maybe one day it is, but why am I saying that that has to be what it is? Like, that's a choice at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm projecting. I think a lot of us, because this was my experience, I thought I had to get back to what I was before. Like I, mm -hmm. okay, I've had this baby time to go back to old Shannon. Mm -hmm. She's gone. And it was mm -hmm. hard to realize that, but what an yeah. opportunity you get to step into a new person. You get, hello, time for mm -hmm. transformation. Who do you want to be now? Mm -hmm. You know, guys don't get that opportunity. You don't get to, have, I mean, I guess you do becoming a dad, but it's, it, you know, when you birth yeah. a human and, yeah. and step into this role, it, it totally transforms everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I also though, like in addition to fighting white stigma and the dieting industry, I also have a strong passion for overall disease prevention, because like I said, so often we're forced to associate our weight with our worth. And then while I'm working in the hospital setting, there's women at a very healthy age fighting off breast cancer. There's humans at a very young age fighting off colon cancer. There's young, you know, newly diabetics. There are mm. just, obviously I did tube feedings. I did 
gut surgeries and healing. It's like, I did all the things. So I was literally helping people manage disease while they fought for their quality of life. And then I would leave work seeing very healthy humans have their quality of life on some level and just feel so disconnected from their health because they're in this obsessive search for this perfect weight. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're missing the whole connection of what healthy actually means. And therefore, are you healthy, even though you're at your dream weight? I don't know, because are you preventing breast cancer, colon cancers, protecting your mental health? And that's where like my passion of nutrition is to say a lifestyle around healthy eating is geared towards disease prevention. And if you're doing that, then your body is healthy. And that doesn't have a right weight. Mm, Hello. Can we just put that like in huge, like on a billboard, one of those flyover planes with the (laughs) (laughs) winning, right? Hello. Give yourself so much permission. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because we all get trapped in it. And I mean, myself, once I decided to stop getting on a scale, like Mm -hmm. was, was huge. Yeah. for me because it doesn't sure. mean anything and you see all the time where people are like I lost fat but gained muscle and the numbers went up like what you know mm-hmm. that's not yeah. at all what we should the be numbers are on. so misrepresented funny <laughs> thing is is like we do it all even people we trust doctors giving you a bmi yeah. come yeah. on a bmi is not representative of your health in any way it is a measure of your weight and your height doesn't count your breast size, doesn't count where you're holding fat, Hello. doesn't count your bones, doesn't count how much hair you have, Shannon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple pounds here. None of it. So it's like, stop it. You give women that label of overweight or obese. What do you think that does to them? It puts a, their label in their subconscious. And now that is what they live by. Instead of a healthy human, they're living by a label of overweight or, or obese. Yeah. And God forbid that happens after having a baby, right? Oh my God. And in mm-hmm. the subconscious piece, can we talk about that for a second? Because I know we pick up things as, as adults, but I know we also pick up a lot of stuff mm-hmm. uh, as children. Mm-hmm. And I try to be very conscious with two little girls of yeah. what I'm saying about myself in front of them. Yes. You no, know, because mom, hi, yes. if you're listening, this is not a dig at you at all, but my no. mom was always dieting. And I always looked at her right. like, you're beautiful. There's nothing wrong with you. I don't yes. understand. Yes. I don't understand. Oh my you're God, perfect. you nailed it. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is how kids see their adult figure, their, you know, whoever, if it's a mom or guardian, but Yes. And so what does that instill in their sweet little innocent brain? Mind you, Shannon, that your subconscious is developed between the ages of one and seven. Okay. So that's when they're really trying to like understand things. So it gets formulated in their subconscious in those certain ways. So now imagine if you're saying, I'm not good enough at this weight, I need to change this to be one, accept myself and two, to be more accepted in society, it's like, oh my gosh, am I going to be loved if I'm a certain weight or if I look a certain way? And and I actually still do some consults based on how energetically called to do them. And I just worked with two youths who have severe eating disorders. And one of them I sent right to the clinic because she hasn't eaten in seven days because of her eating disorder. Right. But then you have these uh, influencers, which if you're listening and that's you, I'm so sorry, but yeah, fasting for three days, whatever it is, you don't know people's mental health struggles. I'm not saying you're taking that on. I'm just saying you don't have to do that to be healthy. 
but to these innocent people who are struggling so much to reach their self-worth, they're going to, they're going to love that. Sure. Thanks for the permission to not eat as a growing human. Right. And, and think about, I mean, looking back to, I look at my teenage body and then what my body, because I was like, oh, this is just what I'm going to look like. But the way it continued to evolve into my twenties before I ever even had children, you Mm -hmm. know, like you might be a little thicker in areas right now, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be that way forever. But mm-hmm. if you are, that's also okay. That's the way you were made. Like it's mm-hmm. all good. Mm-hmm. But this self-worth piece is huge because yes. I think it manifests in so many ways. Yes. It might be, you know, I battled with it with my, my self-worth was very much tied to my income. So when my income went away, I was like, I'm garbage. Mm. <laughs> what, oh my God. what am I yes. even doing? I'm not worth anything. And it's like, it's not. It me not, to hear that. It's not the weight. It's not your income. It's not your title. It's not any of those things. How long your hair is, how blonde your hair is, how beautiful, you know, your nails are, whatever. It's none of those things. But it's it's so hard to say that and then have people resonate, right? It's like, well, one thing I can say, if there's, if there's, there's one message I like to give, which I don't know how helpful this is, but knowing the toxicity of weight stigma, and I've seen it in my job, I've seen it in my friends and families, and I've seen it in myself, right? The toxicity of how it can affect people. It's how we cannot contribute to it. So for example, when I went through a brutal breakup in after college, it was either in college or right towards the end, right? And I was heavier. I mean, I was living the college life, doing whatever, and it didn't really whatever. That's not the point. Yep. Broke up with that. He was my whole life. Right. So it was like, I couldn't eat. I, it's not that I was choosing not to, or I was striving for a better body or anything. I was so sickly heartbroken. I actually Mm -hmm. like couldn't eat. I couldn't even like when I, when my eyes opened in the morning, I just remember thinking like we're very bad things. Right. And guess what I was getting? only positive feedback about my weight. You Uh, look so amazing, Hannah. Oh my God, girl, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. It's working. Oh my, right. Any positive comment about my weight, you can imagine I got all that feedback. Well, what do you think that did to my very vulnerable mindset at that time? It very clearly told me like, you are more loved and more worthy of these compliments at this weight. Mm -hmm. You weren't worthy before, but here you're worthy of them now even though you lost weight in a horrible way, because I couldn't get myself to even drink water for a minute. Right. Like it wasn't great. I'm not proud of that, but it's where I was at that time. And so now it's like, when I hear women compliment other women's weight, it's like, what are you telling her actually? Like, do you know where that weight loss come from? Like, what if she's going through cancer treatment and doesn't want to tell anybody? Like my gosh, there's so many ways. And so a woman's weight doesn't always reveal their journey. And so unless you have something to compliment on either their qualities or their journey, like don't, because it's probably not doing favors. And if, if they lost weight, because they wanted to lose weight, but they're doing it in a restrictive way. It's only going to teach them that they need to keep over restricting to keep losing weight, to keep getting that feedback. If they're associating their self-worth with it. Mic drop. That's huge. See it all the time. And so the reason I created my membership was to have a safe space to get away from that, to explore your health journey in a group of women that really are prioritizing their mental health, their, their worth in other ways, Mm. and to just have a place of 
freedom from dieting, honestly, freedom yeah. from that self-judgment to grow your self-worth and to grow your self-acceptance. So you can move forward and towards consistency in your health journey, not because of your weight, but because you give a shit about yourself enough yeah. to create consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Where else do you find that? Right. Wow. This is a huge shift and departure from the typical messaging that's usually directed at women about, you know, how you should look, how you should feel, you know, mm -hmm. bikini ready, this, that, the other thing. Mm -hmm. But like you said, there's all this other stuff going on. And, and imagine like if you're a mom, a new mom, and you are just sinking in all of this because it's been instilled in your subconscious, how the hell are you going to enjoy motherhood to the genuine authentic thing it is like you yeah. can be like giggly fun but like do you enjoy it do yeah. you just like bask in the fact that you wanted this child in most cases right and even if not it's likely still a blessing and and it's really hard to connect to that joy because you're searching so hard to connect to your worth but you can't get that connection yeah yeah and how that can feed into other things and how that can spiral yes. and the implications yes. of all of that. That's mm -hmm. so huge. What are a couple maybe practical things that people are like, yes, I hear you. I hear you. Like, what are a couple of steps or things that people could implement in their day-to-day -day? or moms? Mm -hmm. Let's, let's talk to the busy moms. Mm -hmm. Well, hmm. Okay. One of the things coming off of the passionate <laughs> The passionate conversation we just had, which I get a little excited, is to actually spend time taking initiative to spend time disconnecting from the things that are pulling you away from your connection to your self-worth. Mm -hmm. And that's likely social media, or it's likely the things that you're trying to mask through, like watching Netflix or whatever. So connecting to your self-worth to me, and this is what I what I um you know, do myself is I literally just connect to the feeling of joy, which shows my self-worth that you are worthy of joy. Like, mm. honestly, I think some of us self-sabotage or avoid it because we don't even feel worthy enough of actual pure, authentic joy. Yep. And so when you give yourself that, you're like, oh yeah, you yeah. are worthy of joy and pleasure and light. And so I just close my eyes and I connect to the feeling. I have to actually feel it in my core and in my stomach. And, and that's enough to just like breathe it in. I take that deep breath. I feel it throughout my whole body. And that connection really helps me just feel that grounded feeling that we all search for so much too. Yeah. And in meditation is great too. And if you have a meditation that you love and that works for you, for me, I didn't for so long. So meditation bothered me so much. It was like, you're gonna make me sit here and I just can't and I have too much to do or too much to think about. And it just until I met how we met through Kathy Heller, like that was very helpful to me. So, anyways, I I let go of anything that I was fighting for to earn my worth. Mm, yeah. And yeah. then and so that would be like, do I need to be this great mom? Do I need to show up on Facebook to show all the ways that I'm you know, being great mom, do I need to be a great wife? And what is that? Look? And am I trying to show that I'm such a good this or that, or even as an entrepreneur, like, I mean, I really mm. followed my passion 
So then I wasn't trying to like make this certain amount of money or be the certain thing. I was really just serving, which was also good for me, but you have to disconnect from so much of the things that are trying to pull you away from that connection to self-worth. I love that advice because it's not even like food or diet in air quotes centered. Yeah. It's just like self-centered. Oh, I've been doing this for long enough to know that I can give as much health education or advice as around nutrition or any of that. And it doesn't matter because if you're not connected to self-worth enough, you'll still seek to be the perfect weight. You'll still seek to, you know, follow the next fad that's going to get the quick results, or you just can't do it. Meaning I've heard so often, I know what I need to do. I just can't do it. That's likely due to the lack of connection of self-worth to do it. Not to say you're sitting here crying in a corner, feeling unworthy. It's just, you're striving to earn it in so many ways that you just don't have that. So prioritizing your health to me is nutrition for self-care. It's not for a number. It's not for a calorie count. It's nutrition for self-care. You improve your relationship with food because you realize the ways that it hasn't served you through emotional eating or coping with food or stress eating or binge eating, all of that, right? Like is, is, is deep. And I go deep with my one-on-one clients, but just to say like that connection. So your relationship with food is something that is a mindset job. Yeah. And so again, if I tell you all the healthy nutrition tips, if, if the mindset work needs to be done, those tips don't matter. Like go ahead and Google those tips, right? Like it's there, it's the mindset work. And that's where, again, diets jump right over that and into follow these set of rules until you can't, which feeds your feelings of failure, again, pulling you further away from that self-worth. Oh my gosh. So good, Hannah. So good. I love this so much. And I, and I've heard pieces of this from you before, but you went even deeper today. So thank you so much for sharing that. I know we could talk about this all day, but there are a few things that I do love to ask all of my guests. And because I know you, I'm excited to hear your answers. Um, (laughs) First, what didn't you expect motherhood to change or shake up in you? My level of anxiety, because I you know, I was typically a worried person and I am a stage five people pleaser. And, um, so then when I had to do all of these things and make all my kids happy and my husband happy and whoever else happy. And then, um, also just my worry really up leveled. So managing that really started my personal growth journey because I didn't want to do medications like while I was nursing even though if you are, I'm sure it's safe. It was just something in my, again, my worry of taking them probably was enough um, Mm -hmm. to help me figure out ways to manage that. But I didn't expect it at all to the point that it got. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that, that looked like just really feeling bad about the type of mother I was because I was always worried about being good enough to, for them, for Mm -hmm. them, right. Not for me. Yeah. Doing the right things, making the right decisions. Um, oh my goodness. And I think we all weigh heavy, but that's because of our access to social media that it's like, there's so many options and we forget to just follow our gut and follow our heart. Yeah. And it's interesting, the social media piece, because 
I think we're waking up and we know mm-hmm. that it's not the best way to spend our time, yeah. but it's such an easy go-to to grab your phone, especially yes. in those moments when you're like, I don't feel good right now. Yes. Let me just yes. pick up my phone and start scrolling, even yes. though we know it's not the best choice for us. And actually the level of how much you do that, what I've learned for myself, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do or how to do it, but yes, I've learned the more that I'm going to my phone, the more I'm running from myself. Ooh. And then I need to pay attention to that. So I started to be alone more. I started to ask my husband to take the kids so I could paint. And I started to just sit outside and I started to say, hey, I I really need to be alone. Because if I was okay being alone, it meant that I was working through whatever I was burying. Oh my gosh. So powerful. So powerful. I love that so much. And for anyone listening, uh, you deserve your alone time. (laughs) You are worthy of it. Now you don't have to earn it. Mm. Yeah, I love for that. sure. Oh, mm. that's like such a mic. Like that's like the fourth <laughs> or fifth like mic drop thing you've just said in this episode. It's gonna be so good. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so sweet. You've given a lot of really great advice so far, especially around you know your space and your and your work being a mm. dietitian. But if you could give one piece of advice to another mother, what would it be? Mm. Okay, I guess. It might be something along the lines of don't judge motherhood for where you're at right now, because Mm -hmm. it sounds crazy in a way that you might, you might love it and you also might hate it. And it doesn't mean anything because if you hate it, you're going to quickly associate you're a bad mom. That's not true. If you love it, you're going to think you're doing something really wrong when you hate it. And Mm. like, it is all over the place and it's okay. I think it's okay to say like, my God, right now, I just like kind of hate being a mom. Like there's so much demand. You got to think about the meals, the kids, clothes, the holidays, the things. And it's just like, you're not used to that in our life where we've been taken care of our whole life. So I just learned, I don't base motherhood on anything about where I'm at in good times, bad times. It's just this huge encapsulation of seeking the the big picture of it because it's not always going to be what it is and the big picture is that oh my goodness like next year they're not going to like the christmas train this year they do like i find it love it enjoy it and like i'm so excited to be in a phase where my kids are old enough to have fun conversations but i also loved the phases where, you know, they were babies and their cute little Santa hats, but I hated this and I hated that. And in the end, I stopped taking it as a way of like, do I love it or do I hate it? It's just really an encapsulation of just personal growth on me and on them. You're literally showing and modeling what personal growth is through your own. Yes. And I think a lot of us have discovered there's a lot of opportunity for personal growth in being mm-hmm. moms. It brings yeah. a lot of things to the surface. And I think mm-hmm. the personal growth is genuinely just connecting to that self-worth. And we're like searching for what is that happiness? What is that joy? And the more I connect to my self-worth for what it is, the more I find joy. Like yeah. I just do. It's like, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Here I was searching yeah. for it. And it's there the whole time. It's just, right. you can't see it because yeah. Right. right. I don't know. Yeah. And finding it in those simple things, because when you're stuck in this other mindset, mm-hmm. you're looking for it out here. It'll mm-hmm. be, I'll feel joyful when I will be happy yes. when, but yes, yes. You can access it right now. 
Yeah. yeah. It feels really good when you can too. And mm -hmm. I keep having these moments lately where I just pause and I'm like, this is my life. And I understand mm -hmm. the, the privilege that I have to be in my circumstance right now. Like I'm not going to tiptoe mm -hmm. around that, but I, to be able to just pause and be like, this is not where I thought I would have been a year ago. And I'm so mm -hmm. grateful. And just going through the motions that it is my life right now and, and, mm -hmm. and finding so much joy in it. But I also don't think a year ago I could have tapped into it the same way, you know? Right. Right. And, and that is that too, right. The personal growth journey. And just as I was saying, like choosing to see those last pesky 10 pounds, like it's kind of a choice in a lot of cases, it's the same with like finding that joy. Like if you're always like, cause we're, it's talked about, it's being talked about, like, go oh, find joy. Like in reality, I fell in love with painting. I could have painted and actually hated it because I tried to be perfect at it, or I tried to make it work, or I didn't love the end result as much as I could have. Right. That's when you're not connected to your self-worth. I'm connected to my self-worth now. I love it. I think about when's the next time I get to do it every day mm. because I'm capable of that. Do you see, I don't know. Really? I don't know. And I, and I think that's a great way to measure your progress outside of the scale. Like when it comes up in your life that you're like, oh, wow. Like I, this is different. Or I see how this is different. Or I see this personal growth or I see, and I created so many tools for women to see outside of weight. And that feeling is what keeps you going. So when you get on a scale and it doesn't match up with what you think it should be, what do you think that does your consistency? And the same thing in motherhood. Mm. It's like, stop judging and it's just making more space for acceptance and love and joy. And it just is yours to be had. You don't have to earn it. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to earn it, which is such a departure from the mindset here in capitalist America, where you do, 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 earn, earn, yes. earn, achieve, achieve, yeah. achieve. And yeah. you can't, you don't get anything for free and people yeah. who don't do anything are lazy. You know, oh, yes. No, you just have to own it. You don't have to earn it. Ooh. Like that should be somewhere posted. Yes. Go own it, girl. Oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, okay. I mean, I already love Hannah because I've had <laughs> such a, I mean, I would love you anyway, if I didn't know you before this, but please share how people can work with you, where they can find you all the things. Oh, thank you. Yes. I have a Facebook page called wholesome women. It's just a free page. It's just where we talk about things. Um, I have a website, wholesomeendeavors.com, and that's where you will learn about the membership, um, how to get in it a couple other ways, but for the most part, the membership is the community that we don't know we needed in my well biased opinion. Right. So it's really that place to, do this personal growth we're talking about, which leads you into a health journey you love. When you're living a health journey you love, you stay consistent. That consistency brings you some, some results. Absolutely. And I just want to make a point. You and I know this, that yes, the information is out there for free. I think your approach is very different. So it might be a little harder to find it somewhere else, but there mm -hmm. is something about the energy behind buying in with a transaction mm -hmm. where you are, you know, mm -hmm. virtually swiping a card and signing up for something. It's so different than just being like, well, I'll Google it or I'll follow this person on Instagram and I'll figure it out. When you right. actually buy in, the energy is different. It is. Your results are going to be different. 
It is. And not only that, the the progress feels like you've invested in yourself, which that progress shows your self-worth that you're capable and loving. And then that's where it's like the progress comes because you've made that investment. And if mm-hmm. not, you're like, am I worthy of investing in myself? Not even about sales. It could be yeah. in any way, right? But we think we invest in ourselves through just like buying things. Yeah. But that's the distraction pulling us away. Yeah. From personal experience, I'll say that. Right, right. And and we deserve this. You deserve your health. And I, I'm going to mess this up so bad. Uh, the man <laughs> with his health has a thousand wishes. The man without it has only one. Like that's the mm. basic gist of it. But mm-hmm. you no, know, it's like- mm-hmm. We, so we true. One pass in this body, right? So, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Live your best quality of life that you love, which looks right. different for everybody. Mm, so much permission given here. I love mm-hmm. it. I adore you. I appreciate yeah. you sharing your wisdom and just. We'll put all your links in the show notes. Everybody go find oh. her. I mm-hmm. promise you, she is such a joy. And that's my middle name, actually. Nuh-uh, I shut the front door. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I appreciate you so much. And I'm so thankful for giving me this space and opportunity to meet your people. Absolutely. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I know how busy you are as a mom, so I appreciate you taking your precious time to join us here today. If you haven't already, please be sure to follow the podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, go ahead and give it a five-star review so that we can spread the word to other mamas who may appreciate what we're doing over here. Give me a follow on Instagram at having a mom moment, and you can check out the links in my link tree for any upcoming events or offerings that I have. In case someone has told you today, you are amazing, you are loved, and I am so proud of you. I hope you have a beautiful day. We'll see you next time. Thank you.